welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. All right, finally, this is working. Uh, good evening, everyone. It's Tuesday night, and this is Teacher Talk Live. My name is C.J. Reynolds. I am a teacher in West Philadelphia. I teach high school English. And this is a show where we have guests on every single week to try and help you to become a better educator or to inform you more about different people that are like maybe outside of your zone in the, in the education community. And so I have a really great guest on tonight. I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But this evening, this is our first live feed from Facebook. We were having a lot of trouble with you now before and Facebook, you know, it's kind of like... Gary Vaynerchuk says to go to Facebook, then that's all I'm going to do, go to Facebook. So this will also be broadcasting again, rebroadcast on YouTube. If you're watching this live, you can go ahead and leave your comments below. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can leave any question or comment that you have below. I promise to try and get back to every single one of those. Uh, so this evening, my guests are the ladies from Black Girls Teach, uh, who I found on Instagram, and they just seem... Fantastic. Um, so I'm really, really glad to have them on because we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff and that, and that's it. So I'm going to go ahead and guess them in now. I think that's right here. This is all new on the, on this new platform. Ladies, can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. How are you? I'm so glad that you're on. Thanks so much for being here. And can you see us, all the three of us? I can see the three of you sitting on a couch together, yes. Um, so I have your names up here. This is uh, Deidre, Tiffany, and Khadijah. And so could you, maybe before we jump into questions, could you do a little, like, like intro as to, like, who you all are, how you met, how Black Girls Teach came about, just a little synopsis for folks that don't know. Yeah, um, my name is Deidre, um, and I'm founder of Black Girls Teach. And I actually used to work with both Tiffany, Khadijah, and Chantel, who's our producer behind the scenes right now. Um, Chantel and I actually went to college together to um, become cool. teachers many years ago. Um, and I worked with these two wonderful ladies a couple of years ago, and we just instantly connected. We felt like there needed to be a place for Black women who work in education to have more of a voice um, and share our perspective, our unique perspective, uh, in particular in urban education. Um, and that's kind of like where it started. Um, I'm Tiffany. Go ahead. Please. Uh, your teacher bursary. Right. <laughs> I'm back in the classroom. I gave up that administrative life. And I'm back in the classroom. I teach high school English as well. Awesome. And English three. Okay. Um, I'm a DC native, so like you just said, we used to work together at a charter school. We were living an administrative life, mm -hmm. just working nonstop, summers, weekends, whatever you want. And so um, I decided to join with her just because I feel like her vision is really strong. It's something I'm really passionate about. I'm going to be an old lady teacher, <laughs> and I need to make sure that the system can sustain all of us and new teachers, and our kids are just great because they they just deserve greatness all the time absolutely absolutely what about you Khadija? hey um well this is my 12th year of teaching uh well i don't teach anymore i've exited the classroom three years ago um, um i started out teaching in boston massachusetts then i moved to dc and i was in charter all title one schools um recently a year ago i decided to move to maryland 
and um, now I'm in the private school sector. Okay. Which was a huge transition for me, and I did it for my family, um, mostly. And sure. that's different. That's another conversation in terms of family life <laughs> from Title One into private. And no, I hear you. Other issues, but um, I decided to join Black Girls Teach because just like Tiffany, just like Deidre, just like Chantel, we share a, a vision of our children, of Black and Brown children, being at a level of closing the achievement gap. I'm Ed Gap Closer because yeah. I believe that it is a personal thing for me that our children are years behind as um, soon as they enter in education. So that is something that I believe they should be quality education in every classroom. So that's something that that's my passion. And just like I share with all these ladies. hundred percent. So the school that I teach at, I teach at an all boys school in West Philadelphia. And it's, um, we, I, I'd say we're, we just got, uh, so we're about 99% uh, African-American. And I always laugh that like, when we have like a brochure to shoot or if we're in the paper, they bring like all the other kids that like look different. So we look like a diverse school, but um, we're title one inner city school. And the idea there for us, just because I'm just saying this because it goes kind of along to what you're saying is like, um, you know, African-American men in Philadelphia are, have the lowest graduation rate. So the idea behind the school starting was to like, you know, really spotlight kids that like were we're maybe not going to make it and, and give it our all to like help these kids be what they can be. Um, and you know, the funny part is like, no one wants to go. So it's beginning a freshman year for a lot of my guys and nobody wants to be in our school because they have to wear uniforms. It's strict. There's homework. There's no girls there. And everyone tries to act like they have like, like tons of game outside of school. Like they have all of three girlfriends. Um, but the reality is like, you know, once they get into 10th grade, it is, just this amazing transition with these young men that like actually want to be there. They actually have friends. They realize the usefulness of like what's going on. And so um, I hear you in terms of the importance there. Uh, Tiffany, just because you brought up, I'm interested, what took you out of administration and brought you back into the classroom? Because I think that's an interesting transition. I think, I feel like everyone's trying to go the other way and, and go backwards. And they definitely are, especially here. And that was like, like, that's a big deal for me. And Deidre and I had a lot of conversations about it because I was, like, went through this whole big thing of, am I going backwards? Right? Like, am I demoting myself? And I'm, But I'm not. Like, that's, the classroom is my jam. Okay? That's yep. my experience. Right? That's where I am great. And I feel like that's where you make the most impact. And that when I'm transferring that knowledge, I'm teaching those skills. As an administrator, it's not really, I don't know. And I, and I have to say, I feel like it's just, people have gifts. And that, that part of leadership, that, that playing of the politics, that's just not my gift. And I think a really strong leader has to be someone who inspires people positively, but also knows how to hold people accountable. And yeah. I'm not really strong at holding adults accountable in the way I'm able to have those relationships with children, quite often, yeah. frankly. And so I just, I just felt it was draining. It was stressful to take on adult issues that to me just seemed trivial, but to other adults were, seemed so important. And I didn't want to kind of like minimize it and be in the way. And I just feel like my gifts are better served in the classroom. Um, and then also too, I just, I've had two babies in the last three years, right? So that mom, you know, that mommy yep. is real and that working those 12 hours that are kind of like mandatory as opposed to like the 12 hours I want to give are different. They feel different. Yeah. That going on maternity leave with a crazy principal who doesn't even want me to sit down when my feet are swelling, you know, mm -mm. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I know I want to teach. I know I want to be in school. So the only way for me to kind of get through that was to transition back into the classroom. Yeah. So are you, how's that feel going back? So like, how long has that been? Is this the first year back or has it been a minute or what? Two back. Okay. I've always taught though. So I was like an instructional coach and still taught AP, was like a vice principal and administrator, still teaching yeah. the class of ninth graders. So I've always kept that up. Like if I'm going to be your administrator, I at least need to teach one class just because that yeah. just brings me joy. So this is like this year two of being fully back. I'm not pregnant, right? Like my room is good. My kids are great. I'm not. Oh, my God. I did not. I did not. That would have been such a cool announcement to have on the show. Like, I, guess what, everything. And it's, it's so good. My kids are so cute. And I love the curriculum. I love the, what I get to teach. I, I teach now at a performing arts school. So I have cool. Lindsay and Beyonce running around, you know, so like doing my, doing their English work. So it's really good. It's great. That's, that's awesome. So, um, so what I typically do is have like the, the guests that are going to be on the show kind of pick the opening topic. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about like being a master of your content instead of uh, just kind of like handing out a worksheet or just searching on TPT for stuff and then handing out to your class. Um, why is that? Can you talk a little bit about why that's important to you and where you've seen that become like when you noticed that that was important? Um, I think for me, because when I started teaching, um, I really had to like learn kind of everything on my own when it comes to instruction. Like I went to school for education, but I was reading books and I was going to PDs and I had to crack, create my own lessons. And, you know, it was a lot of work, but it helped me really be able to internalize and understand what I was teaching. Um, and I think as I've transitioned to different schools and, you know, in different types of schools, I've seen like the opposite where now like teachers aren't necessarily like creating their own lesson plans. They're getting lesson plans created by somebody else. Um, so when something happens, when there's a moment where like maybe the internet is not working or you don't, the copier is not working, yep. you know, you really need to know what to do. Or if you have students that are not like being able to master certain skills, like you have to really be able to know how to pull out your toolkit and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, I don't need the internet. I don't need, we're going to do this, you know? And I think that's really important. And I would say, like, for me, I'm definitely not, like, I'm not the, like, a master teacher in all content areas. Like, literacy, ELA is, like, you know, that's my jam. But, like, once I, once I was able to identify that as something that, you know, I was really interested in and passionate about, then I really took it upon myself to learn more and more about it. Because I want my students, you know, they deserve to have someone who actually, knows about literacy not just knows because someone made a lesson plan yeah yeah i also want to address i'm a math teacher um so yeah. i taught math for 12 years um and i still coach in math i can at any point in time i'm an administrator but at any point in time i can stop a class yeah you just jump in yeah so um a part of that is teaching is um activism so at a lot of times when we get these lesson plans, we get, this is what you're supposed to teach first. We get these curriculum maps. At some point, certain things don't make sense. And I know my craft enough to know my mm -hmm. students to say, this shouldn't come first. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't teach this skill before this one. Mm -hmm. And if you know your content, you can challenge that. Yep. And a lot of people think that the people who create these content 
um, we had a curriculum specialist at our school and she was a regular teacher. But at the same time, because I know, I know my content, I was able to say, no, that doesn't make sense to do that. But if I didn't know my content, I would be teaching incorrectly. I would be going down this path that I knew that my students weren't strong enough. So teaching is, is social justice, right? It's, it's advocating for your students. So a part of being a content expert is to be able to advocate for what's best for them in content as well. Yeah, I love, that's a great, great answer. Um, Tiffany, did you have anything to add to that? Or I, I'm not sure how this, I've never had three guests at the same time. So I'm just like, I'm just going for it. So, you know. I think just for the, I think to go with the idea of like being activist, I think it's also that like teaching is a craft. And when you want to be like a master of something, you study the craft, you study the science of it, you study how the brain works, you study kid psychology, you study how to transfer knowledge. So that it, it's lasting, it has a lasting impact on scholars. It's not something that's bring. And then you also know the pedagogy. Yeah. You know when to move between. You know sequencing. Yeah. You know skills. You're able to unpack standards. Stuff starts to make more sense to you. And I think I realized it was important, or at least I realized that everybody wasn't trained that way mm -hmm. when I became an instruction coach. And so I had, you know, administrators trying to tell me I need to teach this person science. No, I teach English. I can teach them instruction. I can teach them how to uh, navigate through skills, how to navigate through the lesson plan, the craft piece of it. But you should be a context expert. Like, you should be a scientist, right? Who knows how to teach? Who knows how to transfer knowledge, right? You should be a mathematician. Who knows the difference? And that's, I think that's when I realized how important it was, aside from just, like, going. I went to college and got a degree in education, so I had that training. I had someone yeah. teaching how to write a unit plan and what readability was and the difference between, like, phonics and sight words when we're teaching children how to read. And so even down to like co-ops where I, I had people teaching how to write IEPs and things like that, it's a craft. And when you want to know, yeah. you're, you're supposed to be the master of it yeah. to make it work. A hundred percent. And I think that like when we don't do that, we really negate the personality of the teacher. So I know that even, so this week I have, uh, there's a number of teachers from St. Joe's University in Philadelphia. Every year they they send me people and they like sit in different classrooms in the school. And I try and send them to classrooms that are as different as possible. And I tell them like, don't ever watch what I'm doing and do it. Like, this is what works for me. So for me, it's humor in the classroom. It's storytelling. Now there's four guests on the show at one time. This is a total first. Oh no, I get it. Every once in a while, my little one's just trying to run by the be behind me real quick. Um, but like it has a lot to do when we script these lesson plans, it really takes away the personality of the teacher. Yeah. I know teachers that I really respect. I think they're awesome and they crush it every day, but they don't teach anything like the way that I would communicate the information. And so that is huge. And so I know even at my children's school, uh, every fourth grade teacher at 12 o'clock on any given Wednesday is doing the same exact thing. And if you, if your kids don't get it, guess what? We got to keep moving. The train keeps moving and we're not slowing down for anyone. And one of the wonderful things I think that exists in my school is we're given complete autonomy. Like I pick whatever books I want to teach every year. I pick whatever lessons I want to do. And so if the kids don't get it the day before, guess what? The train comes to a complete halt and we like, like drone in that fact to them until they get it. And that is really exciting ability to, to be able to have. Yeah. Um, so did you have one for me? Uh, so I have quite a few questions here that are popping up already, if you don't mind. Um, what was, what is, what's that? 
Sorry, my not so secret wife is over here telling me. Uh, <laughs> um, so Brandon is asking. My question is, what is your best? There, there's the hand. She doesn't like being on camera. That's that's as much as I get every week. So, my question is, what is your best tip for keeping up with being as knowledgeable as possible about your subject area that you teach? So, do you do a lot of like kind of private professional development or reading books, or how do you keep gaining knowledge on on what you're good at? I think for me, like I, yeah, like seeking out private professional development because sometimes it, you're, you know, it gets to a point where you feel like you need a little bit more from your school or your school system. So sometimes you have to go outside and get that private professional development. Um, but then also like looking into like the latest research and I'm a big reader, so I'll constantly buy books and try out different things And I like, um, I think what is it called? The teaching channel. I think it's what is it? Teaching teaching channel where they have like teachers post videos, so you can actually see like lessons happening, you know, in real time. And for me, that's helpful as well because then I like I can actually see what's going on. Then I can say, okay, well, let me try this and you know maybe tweak it a little bit. Um, and then also like connecting with other educators. So if I meet a teacher that is in the same concept, like right now I'm working in special education. So if I meet like a special educator that works like a similar demographic, then I'm going to connect with that person, you know, so that we can share information, share resources with each other. Yeah, that's a really great idea. Um, I don't and, want to, and I just want to hone in on the finding other educators because my best teaching experience has been with team teaching. In terms of, um, I had someone on a grade level that taught the same thing, so we were able to compare. Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to. Yeah share in responsibilities we were able to just the synergy that comes from two people that teach the same content area and who have been teaching it for a long time find a mentor teacher someone who's been teaching the content for a long time and i know a lot of people do not you know they're new age well i'm the new age but it doesn't take anything away someone who's been teaching eighth grade for five years ten years has so much knowledge every year yeah. they get better um so don't take that away in terms of finding you a mentor, teacher, and team. Mm -hmm. Finding someone who has been in middle school. Like, middle school math is different from elementary school math, and which is different mm -hmm. from high school math. We can't take that away from the conversation as well. So definitely, mm -hmm. team, find you someone that is in the same area, and find you a mentor, teacher. Yeah. And with that, too, I would say um, look for people who can give you feedback, not just the administrators. Mm -hmm. So like your colleagues. I take feedback from the kids. Right, so when we do a skill or I teach them a critical thinking strategy, right, we process the process. So I ask them, what was this like? Right. What are the pros? What were the cons? Then now let's get into the content. Let's talk about the story. All right, so I can see what they liked. Um, I study them as much as I study the text. So right. like, you're different. You're different every day. I need to know how to teach them different things. Um, my teacher, that my colleague this next door, we come to school on Saturdays. I go with my rubrics with her. I show her my exemplar model and have her grade it with the rubric so we see if it works. So like get a little child, get a little brain trust. Mm -hmm. We can bounce ideas off. You can read books together. But I'm also big on like the PD, the conference. I like school. That's why I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. I like school. Right? So I go, um, I, I figured out who wrote the AP language textbook, right? Renee Shea figured out when she was presenting at the college board went and went to her session because <laughs> she's writing a book and she's grading the test, right? Nice. That kind of building of knowledge and like figuring out what to see. Yeah. I think that, you know, in the, I think that, a lot of those ideas are important because especially when you're a new teacher, I feel like so many new teachers just hold up in their room and they never leave. It's like, 
there where they think uh, I remember like first year teacher, I saw too many Hollywood movies. And I thought like, I'm going to go in, I'm just going to crush this. Like no one else knows how to do this. <laughs> I don't know what I, I have no idea. I think, so here's what happened. I think I just upgraded my internet and they decided right now to like reboot my router. And so I, I apologize for that even happening three hours ago. Even though I did that about three hours ago. But anyway, um, the point that I was making, I'll jump right back in is that New teachers too often, they like just hide out in their rooms. And instead of like going and checking out as many other teachers as you can, even if you don't think you want to be like that teacher, maybe there's something to take away from them. And if not, there's definitely something that you can think, I never want to do that. So that would be, you know, I want to make sure that I'm staying away from that sort of behavior. And that can really inform the type of teacher that you're going to become as well. Uh, did you have another one? Mm. So, uh, so Maria is asking, how do you ask that in an interview talking about how, uh, we were saying how like to get away from scripted lesson plans and stuff. I don't want to be in a school that requires a str that strict of a curriculum, but I want to ask that in a respectful way. What would you think on the administrative side of that ladies? Like how, how would you take that if someone said they didn't want to go into your scripted lesson plans or how would you deal with that? I would definitely want to know. It depends on the year's experience, first of all. And I think most schools do a demo lesson. Um, so showing your best self um, during that time. So if I see that a teacher knows her stuff, his or her stuff, and they can demonstrate that they can teach uh, a student pedagogy way beyond just the basic I do, we do, you do, if they're giving conceptual understanding, if they're bringing it to another level, I am completely, as an administrator, very flexible with that. Um, I will observe you more often because we made that agreement, but I would definitely say if that's something that you would like to do, um, put your best, best self forward. So there's no question about whether the content, do you have data to back up what you're saying? If you're saying, I don't like scripted lesson plans and I don't trust, because you're pretty much walking into a school saying, I don't really trust what you might have. Yeah. Do you have data to support that what you, what you come with is going to push academic achievement because it's not just based on your personality and how well you can talk about the content. You have to prove it. We're in a we're in times right now where we need to close achievement gaps. So if you're saying you are a great teacher, what's where's the proof? Um, what test scores do you have from your other districts? What um, what data do you have that supports what you were saying along with this demo lesson? So I think it's bigger than just saying I want to move away from it because these. These things were created because of teachers failing our students. They weren't created just because, oh, you know, I just don't believe you can teach. It was also as a, it was like a help. You know, we have teachers coming in that have no experience. So it was, it was actually to help teachers who have never taught before, who are coming in with no experience. Yeah. So it wasn't just so we don't believe, we want you to be robots. So I just don't want to take that, you know, well, they want me to be a robot. No. But if you can teach, put your best self forward, and you better have some data to back up what you are saying. So um, that's mine. And I would say that even just asking, like, okay, well, um, how does lesson planning work in your school? You know, do teachers collaborate? Or because some a lot of times when you start asking, yeah, um, how much autonomy do teachers have with lesson plans? Because then from there, you the you know the person leading the interview will be able to say like, oh, well, our teachers plan, or our teachers get this, or our teachers get that. So just asking those questions versus saying, like, I want to plan my own lesson plans. Just say, like, you know, how much autonomy do teachers get in yeah. creating curriculum and resources and assessments and things like that. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, because I mean, right? Some some school systems. If you go on the school system's website and you see like dashboards for curriculum, you know that they already have one kind of set up, and you can kind of gauge where you can fit in, where you can go. Um, some school, charter schools mainly also kind of push that kind of structure curriculum, but also just study the demographic of teachers in the place in the city. Because I think that just what Khadija was saying about why the curriculum even comes apart, why the scripted lessons even come out, is because like some teachers are failing, but it's also because we now have a lot of teachers coming to teaching from an unorthodox kind of setting, right? They're not majoring in education, and yeah. right? they're coming through programs, uh, like some of these alternative teacher programs. And so they're focusing on classroom management, not necessarily content and pedagogy in, in, in depth, so scripture lectures and curriculum are supposed to support in that way so just do your research and decide is this even the school i want to be at right is this the district yeah. i want to kind of work in is this a good fit for me because just as much as schools are looking for teachers teachers should be in the school too yeah i say that to new teachers all the time so when folks come in for interviews at our school i'm always asking well what do you want to know about us like what's important to you to find in the school as well and i think you're right in terms of the scripted lesson plans i mean especially in terms of Title I schools, uh, you're getting folks that like, not, I mean, our school, we have a high turnover rate, and I think we're a great school, but when you're 22 and you wanna just come in and teach for a minute, and then you wanna go live in France or whatever else you wanna do, like, I can't kinda like bash that, because I, I guess like living in France must be fun, tons of people do it, but at the same time, I think that, you know, if, if people aren't coming back consistently, you, you have to kind of make up for that because otherwise the kids are going to have a new teacher every minute. And that is just bad for the kids. I mean, I, I'm always telling new teachers when they come in, like our kids need nothing more than they need consistency. They need you to show up every single day, year after year for the, you know, until they're done. And we're doing a huge disservice. If you just like want to like, I don't know, teach in the hood for like two years and then say, Oh, this is great. I did this before. Now I can write a book or something like that. And, that just really hurts the kids more than anything. And in a job where it's all only about the kids, like we're all, that's all we're doing is just hurting the children when we're doing that. I agree. Um, so Stephanie Hall has asked, I, I'm not sure that this was worded correctly, so I'm gonna take it a different way maybe, but uh, she's saying, any tips for someone who's going to be as a long-term teacher? I'm wondering if that was meant to be a long-term sub. Um, because if you're going to be a long-term teacher, just keep at it, Stephanie, and you'll, yeah. you'll figure it out eventually. But uh, what would you say? What's your experience with long-term sub? I mean, maternity? I mean, you had to have a long-term sub, I imagine, in there. So that's a really good side to take it from as well. The best one was the one I just had. So I just, I just had a baby in April. So what my assistant principal did was he knew when he hired me that I was pregnant. So the first day that I came in, I started in January. I had my long-term sub, we were calling him the guest teacher. He was my co-teacher. That's awesome. Right, so he started with me. So we treated it like a co-teaching relationship. And so he started with me to get down like my style, my philosophy, to see how I was teaching the kids. It's also just the kids saw him, they knew him. And we were just very transparent. They're like, I'm getting ready to go out. Mr. Hunter is going to take over. Like, so you will know. So he and I planned, we prepped, we planned ahead of time. And then just me as the teacher, I don't. I hope someone has done this for her. I left a really almost like ridiculously, meticulously detailed plan. I made I made workbooks. I put the whole quarter four in a workbook 
and like got them down and did all you know because I'm just seeing too much. But like and labeled it down by the weeks. Went through it with him, gave him a master teacher copy. The administration had like the soft copy, and parents had soft copies. That way, it was it was no excuse about what we should be doing and also how we should be doing it. So I would say if I'm coming in as the sub. I would maybe like try to manage manage the administration and the teachers up to have that that kind of at least those resources available. Um, yeah. If you if not, then at least ask them can they partner you with someone else who teaches that course or has teached it before, so you can kind of see get a flow at least get a thinking partner. Um, and yeah. then also, I would just say my advice to Mr. Hunter was this is your class now, like you're not the sub. That's the biggest thing. Come out the sub mindset because mm-hmm. if it's more than a few days, you're the teacher boo. Right, like that's your classroom now. So treat it as such. So you need a plan. You need to know the kids. He knew their names, right? He was more tech savvy, cell phone savvy than me. So he set up like a little reminder on his cell phone, and the kids could text him. You know, and he and he even knew he knew we scheduled dates where they could Facetime me and the baby, so the kids didn't get all the way crazy. <laughs> so like I think work if you can work with the teacher going out, that's good. If not, then manage the admin up and ask them for those supports. Put you in place with the mentor. Have somebody come, you know, make a deal with the admin. You need to come and sit and think with me once a week. Yeah. And so we're like, and also just treat it as it's yours now. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, if you don't have the luxury of knowing the teacher prior, because uh, <laughs> that's that's great. Now, if you don't have the luxury, yeah, that's ideal. If you don't have the luxury of knowing the teacher prior and you have just entered into this long-term um, sub situation, I think it's very important for you to develop relationships with the students immediately because you don't have that power that uh coming in first day a teacher would have yeah. they already know that you're the replacement they already know that this is not your class so there's a certain leverage that they have and that they will try to use because um that's just you know our, our children are very smart and sad right mm-hmm. so um just developing those relationships immediately knowing everyone's name knowing getting to know their parents going to lunch with them, playing on the recess with them, just developing those relationships, walking them out to school, always talking to them and getting to know more about them because you have to take a different route. You yeah. can't say, well, these are my routines and procedures. No, that's day one teacher. You're a substitute teacher. Yes. So you have to take the humble pie. So I'm, I want to build that relationship, but having a healthy boundary. It's not, I'm going to be your friend, but I want to know more about you so I can better serve you. It's a caring more, a caring, let me know what you need. I know this teacher has abandoned you, um, <laughs> but I'm here. Because <laughs> it is abandonment. Like, we don't want to say that. Like, if you left, if you can get pregnant, okay, you left, you left. <laughs> it's it's like, hungry. I love it. It's it's a loss. Yeah. About this consistency that students need to have it's just another proof of people being inconsistent in their lives sure. so how then and they don't know if you're gonna stay yeah. so yeah. you have to tell them you're gonna stay by building that relationship so that is very important so, yeah that's that's really a great point i mean i so i'm always preaching the the, the importance of relationships right especially when um your students are i mean so in my case, like, I don't identify with my students in a hundred different ways, but at the end of the day, I care about you. I'm willing to do anything for you. So I open my room up in the morning for breakfast and they, and I have guys that eat lunch with me two periods a day. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I, it is 
nearly impossible to leave the school because somebody has something going on or they want to tell you about something or they're excited about, I don't know, the walking dead is coming back on. And even though you don't really care, you sit there and listen to them anyway, because that's what you do. And it's, you know, that's, that's just the kind of stuff that you do when you're a teacher. And that's, I feel like my students eat that attention up like crazy. They can never get enough of it. So I really, it just shows me that like anyone can go in anyone with an ear that doesn't just talk about themselves, but actually listens to the students is like, you just, you win every time when you do that. And I, I'd say to long-term subs also get to know your staff. Don't act like you're a part-time employee or that you're just going to be there for, you know, a couple of months. I, I would treat it like I'm going to be there forever and just get to know people. It's going to make your experience a hundred times better. And then you have someone to go to if you have a rough day or you have someone to go to if you need help with, with a particular student or you're trying to figure someone out or you're not sure what their backstory is or whatever. That's just going to make it better for the kids um, and just keep the kids in mind. Like as long as you keep the kids in mind, I think you win every single time and it's not just you doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, how did – so what, what are some of the things that, um, that Black Girls Teach is trying to do uh, in the teaching community. Like, so, um, I've seen a little bit on Instagram, but it would be fun to like, hear you talk about like, what's, what's the ultimate goal? Like if you get this to wherever you want it to be. Um, I think, well, we have many different goals, but I would say like really creating a community for educators to really be able to get the professional development that they need, not the fluffy sound good type stuff but the actual like real PD, um, be able to share resources with one another, be able to reach out to someone across the country. If, if I'm teaching a lesson on inferencing and I have connected with someone in Atlanta who's a third grade teacher, like being able to access them immediately. Because a lot of times, especially with, you know, black women in education, a lot of times we can work in schools where we might be the only black woman on our staff or the only black person on our staff. So... Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you're in a school where there's a large population of black students and a few black teachers. So one of our things is just really being able to connect each other, but then also just share the perspective of black educators, you know, so that others can hear our perspective and, you know, hear some of the things that we're trying to do. Um, well, just I think with that of like giving teachers a space, we also talk a lot about eventually moving to a place where we're teaching teachers. Yes. Right? Like we are a part of that building, the science, the art, the craft of teaching that we feel like yeah. missing and lacking just in adults, um, in buildings, period. And that's for teachers of color, but that's also people who teach children of color. Yeah. Right? So how do we like get the pedagogy moving at the same pace of like the cultural you know, the cultural proficiency is moving in the same way and you get to that sweet spot like where the teacher is becomes the master. Like they, they yeah. know the setup, they know the culture, they know the content, they know the pedagogy and like we are successful intentionally. Not just like, oh it worked. But like we knew it was gonna work because we made a plan and we worked the plan. So like get into that place. Well along with that is um, my piece of Black Girls Teachers also teachers as advocates, right? As um, social um, being agents of change and being a part, we want to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. We want to be a part of what happens with our, ch our children in school, right? We care so much. We're, 
we're the mothers, we're the social workers, we're the friends, we're the family, you know, advocates. We're across from that IEP table trying to regulate whether this is an IEP matter or is this a differentiation matter, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to be a part of this conversation on a bigger scale. We want to be a part of the caucuses. We want to be a part of the conventions where our children are brought up and there's no teachers present. Mm -hmm. So that is also where we want to be. And we can't negate that it's time. We can't negate that there's a problem. The issues are here, right? We can't. We have to be a part of these conversations and be able to have honest conversations first. And when we're able to have honest, transparent conversations, then the change can start to occur. And the more times and the many times that we can have it as, as large or as small as the venue may be, a coffee shop or a convention center, then we need to be a part of this conversation. And all, all too many times, we have all been in PDs. We say that we are, you know, PDs, but we're not, we're not represented. And um, the last principal's uh, PD that I went to in Philadelphia, there were uh, one black presenter, and he was a male. So he's, you know, that's a three-day, that's a three-day three convention. So why are we a part of this conversation, or why are we being sought after to have a voice? So that's a part of yeah, my passion is in black girls. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think a lot about that. But uh, so one of the things I'm, I'm asking, which is a little bit of a loaded question because I know what I already think about this, but I'm really, really always interested to see what other people are thinking as well. Um, so I teach in a school where there are like, less than half of the male teachers there are men of color and so, I'm wondering what you think the importance of, or why there is such an importance, if, if so, I mean, it's, this is what I think I'm hearing, is that there's such an importance to have like, you know, men and women of color in classrooms as well, teaching children that look like them. Like, why, why is that an important thing? Because I think folks that I talk to that teach in like Nevada and Utah, you know, they, they're, they're, they're not seeing the importance of that. And so I wondered if you could just kind of speak to that for a moment. Oh, okay, cool. I can't. That's a big question. I realized when I just dropped it. I don't know, but but, <laughs> but I, this is what I tell this is what I tell the kids in first day of school, is what I tell them. I've only taught in DC, right? And well, I taught in Virginia for like a year when I was in college, right? And they tried to keep me because they didn't have any brown teachers. And the brown kids there didn't know they were brown because the parent they went home to wasn't brown, right? Yeah. So they found on them they brown. And I and I yeah. thought, you know, as much as I want to and as much as I kind of learn to love Virginia, I was like, I have to go home, right? Because I tell the kids all the time, I'm a product of DC public schools. I went to my neighborhood schools. This is when we still had neighborhood schools, right? And then my mother decided that my neighborhood high school wasn't what she wanted. Her vision was, I'm going to be, I'm a trial and error kid. I'm the first kid. I'm going to college. So I needed to go, I needed to get into the academic high school, the school in D.C. that was nationally ranked. So I did the application. I did the obscene amount of community service hours, caught the two buses, went to the academic high school, right? And I tell the kids all the time, I got a great education here. I, don't, I never walk into a room and feel unprepared. I never feel like I can't figure it out if I don't know. And yeah. I tell, they, should, they should get that. They should demand that all the time. And I got that education from people who look like me, who look like my mom, who look like my grandma. I had my, my teacher, the reason why I'm a teacher, play cards with my grandmother on Sunday, right? Like I saw her at home all the time. Taught me, my mother, my aunts, 
you know, with, you know, taught our whole family of kids, like knew the whole neighborhood, then they need to see that it's one, it is possible, right? And it, it might be difficult, but it's possible. Um, they need to see different images of us. They need to see us encouraging them, pushing them, loving them, but also holding them accountable. So they know why they matter. They know why learning is important. And they need to, they need to be inspired to do other things. When, when we see people that look like us on TV, right? They're not always learning, right? Or they're not always teaching or reading or writing. They're doing all these other things, which are fine, which are great. But not all of us can do that, right? There's not going to be a million LeBrons, right? There's one LeBron. Like, but there needs some scientists, right? We need some engineers to get us through some stuff. We need some folks who are strategic and maybe join the military and fix that. We need politicians, things like that. And so we need librarians and nannies and caretakers and so people need other skills. And I think when we have people that look like us in front of us, you just you just know that it, you know it's possible. I think that's the belief piece. And you need to be, you know, exposed to other things so you don't go to college and get the culture shock and that kind of stuff. But they definitely need to see images of it. Of I'm only 10 years removed from the kids I teach, and it feels completely yeah. different. And part of that is just what's been put on it, right? We have standardized tests, and we had to know child left behind foolishness and all the things that come with that. And charter school is this whole nother beast. But, yeah. like, at the end of the day, learning, growing, feeling competent, feeling like you can is something that should always be moving, right? That should always be a part of school. Yeah. And like them that that just encourages them to do more and and i think for me like when i think about my students i see my students as like my children my nieces my nephews i like i truly see my family and my students and you know and i think part of that is because you know i am black and my students are black and so when i'm preparing them i'm not just preparing them to take the park exam i'm not just preparing them to you know get all, I mean, I want them to get all A's in their report card. I want them to do well. Yes, I do. But I want you to love reading. I want you to be a gifted writer. I want you to be able yeah. to understand how to, you know, do basic math computation and be able to use those skills to become an engineer one day. Like, those are things that are important to me. And if I see you walking down the hall with your pants sagging and doing, like, things that are not appropriate, I'm going to say something to you because I feel like, that's my job. Like, my job is to tell you, like, no, that's not what we do. That's not how we walk in the hall. That's not how we, you know. And for me, I'm deeply invested in my students. And I feel like if if every teacher is deeply invested in their students like that, then that would be, that would be great. But I don't feel like that's always the case. And I yeah. think that if I, if a, if a teacher works in a school where you, you wouldn't necessarily send your children to that school, you know, that, that there's that disconnect. So sometimes I often, the question I often ask is, if it's not, if it's not good enough for your own children, why is it good enough for these children? Yeah. Why? You know, sometimes when you ask those questions, people, you know, people don't know how to, how to respond to that, but it's true. It's like, we have to really sometimes sit back and think about some of the things that we're doing and think about what well, we want that for our own children. And if not, then there's a problem right there. And to me, I think because, you know, I am a black woman, 
um, I think I think about those things a little bit more. I'm not saying that, you know, all black teachers do that, but for me, like, that's just like, just deeply inside of me. Well, just to, everybody has said this, but just to sum it up, I tell my students all the time, I'm your melanin mirror of affirmation. <laughs> let me affirm to you that I'm yeah, standing yeah. here so you can do. And let me prepare you to take my place. So let me let you know that every single day that you can because I can. And you said something about that. And there's no difference between us. And, you know, a lot of students do believe now that we transcended social economic classes. I used to, like, I don't, don't let this fool you. I, you know, we're from the projects. Like, we, we're we from Title far One. Removed. We're not far removed. I just, I had a teacher that stood here, too. And I need you to understand that there's no difference between us at all. So, and I affirm that every single day by my presence, by my consistency, by my words of affirmation, by everything that I do, I think there's some there's a connection when you feel like you you could be there. Yeah. Like I yeah. and everybody feels it. Like it's almost share. like what happened to Obama effect, right? When Obama became president, everybody's child felt like they could be president. It's the same thing. So every so it's not just the teacher, we have career day where we we get African American doctors, lawyers, um, real estate agents, like people, just movers and shakers, it's not just us. I want to make sure that you see as much as you can of different professions, of places you can go, all the places you can go, right? Yeah. So th th that is just, I'm just affirming to you that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't see yourself in your local doctor, there is a doctor that looks just like you. Yeah. So, and those are, that's all it is, it's affirmation every single day. And we know what happens in the effects of affirmation, especially when you see yourself. So. Yeah. But they, I mean, they need us, but we need them. Because yeah. just like you said, that's who's going to be in charge when we're old. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in charge when I'm 80 and I can't fight no more. <laughs> or, or when my babies are, when my babies are 17, right? Like I'm teaching their teachers. I'm teaching their doctors. I'm teaching... Yeah. Know, the people that are going to be in charge of them. So I need to know that they're going to be right, right? Like that they're going to make sense because yeah. like, right, it has to sustain, like it has to keep going. So as much as like they need us, we need them to be great too, just for what's coming next. So like we have to kind of own them and, and allow them to own us and, and have, be invested in us in the same way we're invested in them. Yeah, that's really important. I, I You know, so from, from my perspective, it's a lot of like, um, one of the things I'm trying to do this year, and I think you all said this to some extent. I think Deidre, you said this exactly. Or, uh, Deidre, uh, Kadisha, I'm sorry. Um, students need to see people. They need to be able to see themselves and the folks that are that are presenting in front of them. And so one of the things we started doing this year is like actively seeking out speakers every month. I have someone come into my class. It doesn't really fit into my curriculum, but it's like whether you are a comic book artist or an entrepreneur or a CEO, someone that looks like you that you can see because, you know, for my guys, since I'm all boys school, like a lot of my boys don't have their dads at home. They don't have a positive role model. And they'll just tell you that straight up that like dad hasn't been around like my whole life or, or he's wherever. Um, and so they, that, that example has not been there. And I know like, you know, if we're keeping this 
for real. Like I know that I'm not that. I can be a lot of things to students, but I'm not. They, students can't look at me and think, "Oh, if Mr. Reynolds can do it, you know, I got it covered. I can, I can do this as well." And so, uh, and what I do try to model is like what it looks like to be a dad, what it looks like to be a good teacher, what it looks like to be a good listener. But I think that it takes on a, it's a completely different thing when you can see yourself in the individual that's standing in front of you. And, you know, one of the I think one of the things that they think is really endearing, my students will often say is like, Reynolds, you're like the blackest white guy I've ever known. Right. Which is like I always tell them, like, I, he I hear what you're saying. Right. I get I get that you're, this is supposed to be a compliment. But what I really, really want to be is like just a white guy that, you know, because when we do have really hard conversations like the last few years with all the police brutality and all of this kind of madness that's been going on, especially in the news, um, you know, the kids will come in and they throw terms around like they, you know, they are always doing this to this. Uh, so they're always doing this to, you know, our people. And I think I'm the they also, right? So like, let's have that conversation where we can have a conversation in a really safe place and talk about this. And I don't look like you because I want, I want you to be able to do that as well. And so I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up. And, and I, I kind of like, was hoping for the answer, I guess, that, that you gave, but I really think it's that important and that there's not enough of a platform for that to happen on that. I really just, I think that was really great. And I really hope that people were hearing that. Um, what is in, in terms of, uh, chart, what's that? O'clock. Oh, okay. My wife is giving me a heads up over here. Um, what is something that, uh, you are, excited about that's going on in education if anything right now someone is asking so is there anything going on now in education that is like making you excited about uh the future or where things are headed or is it kind of daunting as to what's going on now i'm excited um chris edmund is going to be at the um caucus tomorrow and i love the work he's doing he inspires me every time he speaks hip-hop ed i yep. am inspired by this man how he gets people just empowered and the work that he's doing in, at Columbia University and all around the world, just that being able to connect with students using hip hop, right? Using what they're already comfortable with and allowing the classroom to come alive, right? Whatever it is, you be flexible, you know, put it to music, do whatever it needs, do whatever you need to do to engage with students. Throw yeah. the pedagogy to the side and first connect. And then from there, the connection then pushes the pedagogy, then pushes the academics. But we can't get away from the connection and the relationship that is built from you understanding the culture, from you yeah. understanding where the, where our students come from. So I love Chris Edmonds. He's like, I'm so excited about the future of education because I'm just, I just love where hip hop ed is going. So that's my and I think, I think I'm seeing I'm seeing more educators like using social media to have conversations about things like even you know your program bringing people on to talk about different topics. There's a lot more podcasts that are happening. Um, you know, just even us coming together. A lot of times we're having conversations with each other and we don't have a lot of opportunities to just like share the conversations that we're having like in this yeah. type of platform. So like I'm very excited about being able to do more things like this and then also being able to be a part of the online community where we're having some of these conversations. I would say, I'm excited that like, especially in, in DC, we're moving towards like 
um, 21st century buildings, right? So the learning environments are shifting. So it yeah. feels cool and it feels new. And it, and I feel important because my building is great. And I could just be because like my school is in this in this million dollar region, <laughs> the beautiful performing arts center where like our theater is the egg in the middle and we have gender neutral bathrooms. So, oh yeah, so we've been teaching our children like, how to use the gender neutral bathroom and having the LBGTQ conversations um, and, and teaching empathy through those things. Now, wow, that's great and it's good. So, there's some tension though, because they're not kid friendly, right? They're like, they're like hotel gender neutral bathrooms where like the door goes the floor and then it's like a fancy wood door with red subway towel that's real cute and grown up land but a kid land I can't see through the door. I need to be able to see the door when I'm in the kid bathroom. Boy girl I don't care. I need to see through the door. But we're having those conversations right like it opens the kids up to so much more to even we're like you know all the grown ups are so worried about like the kids are gonna sneak in the bathroom with these bad things. But the girls here to be the girls don't want to share the space with the boys because the boys don't wash their hands. Yeah, and the boys exactly. need yeah. So they're more worried about like the cleanliness and I can't put my mascara on with David standing wrapping uh-huh. uh, in the mirror, right? <laughs> so it's, it's opened up all these conversations and it's so cute. And I think, and they, and then just are so into like things that we don't even think are important have enhanced the learning so much, mm-hmm. right? The surround sound is in the ceiling that like totally freaked them out when the classical music started blaring from the ceiling and like yeah. one down, right? The rooms are bright. We have natural light. There's no walls. So I can see from the second floor all the way down to the cafeteria. So kids know oh that there's urgency because the teachers can see me. There are no nooks, there are no crannies. And so I think a, a lot of the schools are moving to that, like let's redo it, let's make it cute. Let's make it a building where we all can like have pride in it. We want to be there. Yeah. So I think that that shifting of the physical environment will do a lot for like the social and the intellectual environments. Yeah. I mean, across right. the board, of like people just taking more, more investment in schools and what they look like and they feel like. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really important. I think you know I I, I just want to echo the idea of like the social media aspect of this. Um, I feel like so many folks are either like one way or the other on social media, or social media can be such a downer for for teachers because it's everyone's highlight reel all the time, right? It's like how cute my classroom is or this is my greatest lesson and it rarely shows the struggle. And and part of me, I get that. Like, I wish I could show the struggles of my classroom on my YouTube channel all the time. But to be honest, I I can't show someone freaking out and how I'm going to deal with it because if that goes the wrong way, then I'm just going to look awful. So um, it does really allow me to connect with teachers from all over the place. I mean, like, so since even having YouTube, I get emails from Vietnam, from Israel, from the Philippines, from, you know, whether it's California or Texas, it's it's so interesting to see like how different school is, not just in another country, but like in another state that, and it really opens up these conversations um, where, once you get to know people where you can have like real conversations with folks um, even like this, like I wouldn't have known any of you ladies if it wasn't for Instagram. And I'm, I, I'm so thrilled to have you on. So it's like, but otherwise that wouldn't have happened, you know? Um, and it's allowing other people to learn from those conversations too. So that's not just us having it, a conversation like on the phone, but like other people can watch this and check it out and like, and learn from it as well. And, and, you know, fuel their fire as well. So we are. We are at an hour. Can I ask you one more question? Do you have time for one more? 
So for the for all the new teachers, I'm getting this question a lot from all the new teachers who started a week or three weeks ago and it's not going right and it's their first year. What kind of advice would you give those teachers that uh, just need that push? They need that reassurance. They need like someone to tell them something because they feel like they're drowning. <laughs> you you always reset. I tell you all, your name is on the door, right? Like you can always reset. Because you know, I tell you all the time, we need to take a take two. You know what? We need to try this again. Everybody get everybody quiet, stand up, line up, go back outside, right? But sometimes it's not just them, sometimes it's me. Miss Jackson gonna go in the hallway, I'm gonna come back in this door brand new, it's gonna be a take two. Right? But like you can always reset. You can come on a Saturday when the kids aren't there. You can redo the seats, relabel stuff, make a new seating chart, redo the board. And when they come in on Monday, you can say, you know what? It's brand new. It's a new day. This is the new, this is what we're getting ready to do. This is how we're going to do it. And like work, make, a, make a plan and work the plan. And I think sometimes people get so bogged down. of like, well, I thought it was going to go this way. They don't allow themselves to be flexible without feeling guilty. But like be flexible. Like you can always reset. You can reset energy with music. Learn to sage. Get the negative vibes up out of there. Right? Like you can you can just just know that it's yours. And when you own it and when you love it and you reflect on it, you can always reset. Right? Kids will follow you, right? Just make sure that they're following you somewhere great, right? But they will come, they will follow you. If you are on it, if you are enthusiastic about it, if you are consistent, you don't let up, they will come. Right? And when you realize, like, maybe it's not working, we're having a shift, be transparent. Let the kids know that wasn't it. We need to start over. We are resetting. Do we all agree? Let's start over. And you can always, you can always shift it. I think also um, it's okay to have candid conversations about where you feel like the problems are. Um, I feel like every time we shift into math, I lose everybody. Why is that? Let's talk about that. Because yep. I need you all to get this. There's certain things that um, that are coming up. There, I know that. How does that relate to their real world? Why does it make it relevant? Why is that relevant for them? Like, if these these things are happening, they have to have a connection to why it's <laughs> right. So that's and remain consistent. Remain consistent. I tell you all the time, especially this is testimony. Like, this is just what it is. Y'all in a relationship right now. Y'all dating. Like, this is just what it is. Like, I, I don't know if I like you. I'm, I'm we still in this beginning stages. I'm not too sure. You kind of came in with an attitude yesterday. So we don't know if we can go to the next level. So it's just remain consistent. I'm not going nowhere. I'm the adult. I'm not going anywhere. And I need to let you know that I'm, if, you, if your emotions might change, but I'm the adult. I'm going to remain consistent in your life. You might not like me tomorrow, but I'm going to like you. And every day is a new day. Whatever, whoever, whatever student, today is a new day. Whatever they did to you yesterday, it's gone. It's a new day. So I'm going to love on you. You might not like me. You still carrying it, but I don't care. I'm still going to love on you like nothing happened yesterday. Because a lot of times we take on that. We like, okay, he has an attitude with me. I don't know if I should engage. No. Hey! Remain consistent and say, I'm not going nowhere. I'm not leaving you. 
And I think too, like acknowledging to new teachers, like, you know, we, we all had a first year of teaching and a lot of us, our first year of teaching was not pretty. You know, even some of the best educators, we did not come in like, you know, like having the perfect classroom. Like this, you know, part of it is like, yeah, this is sometimes your first year is a little tricky. You know, sometimes it's a little bit rough, but like find, look, look at your school and see if there are those people there that you can, you know, observe and just see. Like you might have to take your lunch period or a planning period and go and watch a couple teachers teach, you know, and then advocate for yourself as well. So if you have an instructional coach at your school or if you have a, your school leadership, you know, come to them and say, you know what, I need some support. Like I feel like I'm struggling, you know, with, with whatever this is, like classroom management, you know, I would love for someone to come in and do a demonstration lesson for me. And, you know, yeah. I push leaders to, you know, model it for me. Come in, yeah. model this for me. Like, if this is something you want me to do, yeah. can you show me how to do it? Um, so say that nicely, you know, and push people to do their jobs. Because part of being a school leader is coaching teachers, you know. It's not just dealing with behavior issues all day or paperwork and all that. Like, they really should be in the, they should be the instructional leaders. So as the school leaders and instructional leaders, they should be providing support for those teachers. But, you know, we have to be the ones to advocate for ourselves. And a lot of times when you're new, you're a first year teacher, you know, sometimes you're afraid to do that, but you have to, you have to, especially if you really need yeah. it. Yeah, I think you have to like, kind of admit that you don't know everything. Like when you come in, like don't, don't think that if I, oh gosh, if I tell everyone that I don't know what I'm doing, then I'm gonna get fired or something like that. I think that's really important. I think also going back to that relational piece, you know, pick a kid, pick that kid who is a nightmare in your class. And one of the things I've, I've done in the past, and uh, I might even do this week before the week is out, is I'll give kids detention, and their detention is they have to eat lunch with me every single day. And then I just ask questions about you, right? Like, I don't talk about me unless I think it's going to bring something out in you. So, like, if I need a kid to, like, maybe be, like, a little bit vulnerable because I'm trying to, like, get at the core of what your story is, I might say something about myself, like, oh, I've been in that situation too. Or like when I was growing up, this was my kind of situation with my parents. Um, and once you get to know kids, like if you eat lunch with a kid for a week, yeah. I'm telling you, you're not going to have problems like you did before because they know you care. And even sometimes my wife makes lunches and like writes their name on the bag and stuff like that. And like, uh, you know, you can't be mad. My wife just made you lunch. You might, be able to joke. you might be able to joke and say Reynolds' wife's make me lunch sometimes, but like, you know, I, I deserve that. But, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff always, always works. But it takes you being bigger and you putting the time in for a kid that maybe is not used to having the time put in. And then you find things out, you know, like someone's grandpa died over the summer or your mom, their mom is sick or their dad's not around or something about them that it, it just changes the whole story because it's like, now I know who you are and I get it. Like, yeah, I probably should give you a little bit more grace than I've been doing too. Um, before I let you go, could you could you ladies let everyone know where they can find you on social? Yeah, so uh, Instagram is Black Girls Teach, um, but I have, I love books that I cannot lie. That's one of my other Instagrams where it's all about like diverse children's books. And then I have another Instagram where it's just my personal Instagram is d.fogarty. And then we're also on Facebook. Awesome. I'm I only have one Instagram, but they made me get it. I made it for her. Okay, they made me get it. But it's cute. It works. And I do good and bad, right? So you'll see my classroom and get my logic and all pieces of it, good and bad. Um, it's Miss Jackson's Magic. 
So Jackson S, no apostrophe, MS. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Ed Yet Closer. Um, but my social media is more on my family and me showcasing how to manage my family and education at the same time. Awesome. So that's E G A P Closer. So um, so that's what pretty much my book is. <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to link all that stuff in the show notes. So if anyone is uh, wondering what was just said, like uh, I'll have all that down there so you can find these ladies in all those interesting places. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. This was, this was great. That's a, I'm sorry. That was a nightmare in the beginning. And this was like, but this went much, much smoother. So, uh, but before I let you go, I just want to let, guests know that like if you have any other questions you can go ahead and leave them down below if you ladies see anything in the question sometimes people get weird about other folks answering questions in their comment section or whatever but like jump right in if you see something that was addressed to you like please answer it uh um and then next week i have one of my all-time teaching heroes rafe esquith the author of uh teach like your hair is on fire and um work hard and be nice and a slew of other books uh, is going to be on next week. So I'm excited about that too. So ladies, thanks so much. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday night teacher talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 PM Eastern standard time on my YouTube channel, real rap with Reynolds. And I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.